better ready to pay your dues. Oh God, come back home. This crazy world is filled with and abusers. Need you now before we're too far gone. I hope one day they finally see the truth. Hello, Patriots, Freedom Fighters, throughout Saskatchewan, across the country, and the few around the world. There's uh, one in Scotland, a few in Australia, and a couple others throughout Europe. So... If you're with us tonight, greetings. How are we all doing? So, uh, yeah, still lots to talk about. I lost to get caught up on. Um, but there seems to be some PPC drama out there uh, that lots of people have asked me to chime in on. It's really none of my business, but... I'll chime in on it anyway. Um, Because I think it's important that we talk about it and um, address some of what's being said out there. Of course, we have the trolls, the CPC trolls and others that would like nothing but to see the PPC burn because they're committed to their establishment globalist party. And when they see or smell blood in the water, they're like sharks and they spit out all of their vitriol to push this little bit of drama in the direction that they want it to go. So that's the first part to this. (coughs) There's other people pushing this drama Um, because they're attempting to benefit from it. I don't think it's that terribly of a big deal, to be honest with you. I think it's, uh, it's the cost of doing business. Some people, and then to bring you up to speed, basically, and I don't know all of the ins and outs to all of it anyway, but there's a, a situation in Ontario where some uh, candidate slash EDO or EDA president uh, or CEO or whatever they call them these days uh, was removed from his position. And just so everybody's clear, if you're a candidate or you're on an EDA executive, you make a pledge that you don't discuss internal business publicly to, you know, obviously negatively affect the party and party business. So that's sort of a thing that everybody agrees to when they take on these roles. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because it doesn't deserve a lot of time. But in this case, there was a guy that was removed from his position because he spoke about internal business negatively 
publicly. And so people ask me what I think about it. Well, that's all I know about it. So there's not much to think about other than in relative terms, how I look at things is through my lens, right? So if it, if it was me, if I was the one that was shit talking PPC internal business publicly, I would expect to be pulled as a candidate. I would expect to be pulled from an EDA position if I held one, because I clearly stated when I took on that position that I'm committing to not doing that. <laughs> so this person apparently uh, had done that. And then I hear this other argument that, well, he spoke to headquarters about the issue that he had, and it's to do with the Constitution, and fair enough. But that doesn't make sense to me either. Because I've had numerous conversations with headquarters in regards to our Constitution, and hopefully that we'll have one in the relatively near future. Uh, I haven't been kicked out of my candidacy. I haven't been kicked out of the party because I haven't broken any rules. Because whatever issues I have, I take it up with people at headquarters. Because that's how you do these things. There has to be party discipline. We have to be able to control ourselves. We can't be just whiny little millennials not getting our way and then go running to the internet every time something doesn't go your way. You can't do that. We have to have some discipline. And that's why there's a, a, a pledge that everybody who takes these positions, these roles commits to not doing that. So when somebody does that, there's going to be a consequence to doing that. And again, if it was me and I was shit talking the party publicly, uh, internal business, I would fully expect to be removed because that's how things work. It has to be set up that way. If not, it's just a wild west. And no, it has nothing to do with free speech. I, I'm seeing these people writing and, and condemning the PPC and headquarters because, oh, we don't have free speech. Well, of course you have free speech. You just keep that speech between you and headquarters. You can speak all you want. And you can bring up issues all you want. I, I, I've done it numerous times. And I still have this position that I have, which is the candidate for Saskatoon Grasswood. Uh, so uh, that's it. That's, that's the end. There, there's no more to this. But there's a lot of people. Wyatt Claypool, for example, National Enquirer, whatever they are, Telegraph. Wyeth Claypool loves this. He's going to try to, you know, take advantage of the situation and make it into a mountain, this little molehill, uh, because he has an agenda. Of course, he's now fully behind the establishment globalist party of the CPC because Pierre Polivare is leading it now. Like, that's going to make some sort of difference. Anyways, he's going to take advantage of He's going to blow this up into something that it shouldn't be. I was a little disappointed with uh, my, my good friend there from Diverge Media chiming into this. Uh, I was a little disappointed at that, too.
whatever. They all have their right to say whatever they want, and they can go ahead and do that. But, you know, there's consequences to that when you do that. So, anyways, so that's that's all I wanted to talk about in regards to the PPC drama that's floating around out there. Because people have asked, lots of people have asked me to address it, so... Sure. Pretty simple, pretty basic. Hey, Joni. Uh, yeah, and I'd like to see a constitution as well. Um, apparently, it's coming. I haven't asked the question in well over a year um, because it hasn't been in my purview. But I did ask recently as in within a couple of days and it's coming. So that's a good thing that I would like to see that as well. So uh, we'll be able to put that to bed in relatively short order. Anyways, we have to get off of this topic because it's irritating. And there's something far more uh, important that we need to discuss. And I'm going to show you a video. Um, a woman by the name of Leah Ann or Lee Ann Dale. Uh, some of you may have seen this already. Uh, heart heart wrenching video. Just just terrible. What they've what they've what they've done to this. This person this lady. Doesn't... Hang on a sec. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's phenomenal. So I want you, I want you to listen to her video. It's not very long. Um, it's heart wrenching, absolutely heart wrenching. It's one of it's one of the better videos I've seen that deals with this issue. And the issue, of course, is vaccine injury. And how she's been treated by the government in Saskatchewan um, in this regard. So extremely important that we give her an ear, that we understand what's happening. Because I'll tell you what, I hear, because I've got a, such a big shark infested mouth, People send me this kind of stuff all the time. And it's getting to be a, a bit of a heavy load because of so many people that are so distraught and traumatized by losing loved ones and being injured by this experiment. And so this is one of the better videos I've seen explaining and sharing uh, an experience, it, it's its absolutely heart-wrenching. So, um, uh, can you put link in chat for this vid? Yes, I can, and I'll do that. Uh, I'll do that right now, actually. Thanks, I was gonna do that, and you just reminded me, so that's good. So, there it is, it's in the chat. And so please share this, share her story. Uh, it's absolutely heart-wrenching. Um, I was in tears uh, when I watched it uh, earlier this evening. 
So, uh, anyways. Here you go. My name is Leanne Dale, and I have been injured by the Pfizer COVID vaccine. My shot was on the first day available to me by my age, 43 at the time. My husband and I drove from Saskatoon to North Battleford. We were almost first in line. That was May 3rd, 2021. Two weeks after my vaccine, the back of my knee started hurting. I ignored this temporarily because we had just brought our 18-year-old son back from Arizona, where he goes to school. He had been ill for over a month, not realizing that his illness was also due to his vaccine. I took him to RUH on May 19th when he started coughing up blood. After being kept out of the hospital because he was 18 and a half years old, having him sent home, still coughing up blood and taking him back on May 20th, where he was diagnosed with bilateral pulmonary embolisms and an infarction in his left lung. My leg was completely in the background. By May 22nd, 2021, my leg could not be ignored. I went to Lakeside Medical Clinic where the minor emergency doctor told me I was fine. It was all in my head. My leg was not hot, swollen or red. On May 26th, they did a, on May 26th, I couldn't put any weight on my left leg. I had my son who was bedridden with pulmonary embolisms drive me to the closest hospital, which was City Hospital. I explained to the triage nurse what had happened to my son six days earlier and she got me in right away. When they did a blood sample for D-dimer to see if your blood was clotting, my blood came back at 101,630. Normal is zero to 500. They took me for a Doppler ultrasound where they found a clot from my left ankle, through my femoral vein, through my groin and into my abdomen. They were shocked. City Hospital couldn't deal with the immense clot issue. They called an ambulance to take me to St. Paul's. At St. Paul's, they made arrangements to have interventional medicine remove the clot in the morning. At that time, they asked me whether I wanted to sign a do not resuscitate document. I felt a little piece of me die in that moment. My husband and I were terrified. Our son had almost died six days earlier, and now here I am being asked at 43 years old if I want to sign a DNR. I can't even explain this feeling. I was taken down for a CT scan before surgery in the morning where they found pulmonary embolisms in my lungs. The surgery was called off as it was too dangerous. I spent one week in the hospital. Not one doctor reported my injury with an AEFI. At this time, anytime it was brought up, I was dismissed that it was coincidence that my son and I almost died within six days of each other. No. I was released right. from hospital with the same statement as my 18 year old son. You will be on blood thinners for life at 18 and 43. I was back in the ER two, two days later with a massive soft tissue infection in my arm, armpit, breast and, the, and my side from the pick line they had put in. It took two courses of antibiotics to eradicate this infection. On June 19th, I started emailing legislators. My first set of emails went to Premier Scott Moe and my MLA, Gordon Wyant. Moe's office sent a response that they were referring me to Minister of Health with my concerns. Gordon Wyant's office didn't respond. Of course not. On June 21st, Cindy Moffat, admin assistant to the health minister, respond, respond with a form letter about high volumes of correspondence. 
I reported my injury myself to 811. They did not have anyone that knew how to take an adverse reaction report. On June 23rd, Janelle Cave, an SHA nurse, took my report. On June 28th, I received a letter from my hematologist recommending no further COVID vaccination, regardless of manufacturer, until further notice. On the night of June 30th to July 1st, I was back in the hospital with massive menstrual hemorrhaging. This was the start of an 18-month gynecological saga, which included in-hospital uterine biopsies, transvaginal ultrasounds, cystoscopies, more uterine biopsies, medication, an IUD, and finally, gynosurgery for a DNC and ablation, as this was the only thing that would stop the bleeding. I bled every day for almost a year. I spoke with my GP on the phone and he was clear he would not be filling out any adverse reaction paperwork. By this time, doctors were losing their jobs over adverse reaction comments. I can no longer trust my primary caregiver to nope. have my best interest in mind. On no, July 6, 2021, I, contact, I was contacted by public health that my AEFI was denied. I asked for a copy of the report. She said she could not provide it. I asked for who denied it. I was told I could not know that either. I informed her that it was my health information and they had 24 hours to produce it before I sued. I received a copy on July 8th that Dr. Jasmine Hasselback, MHO for Saskatoon, and her comments stated, no change to immunization schedule. Given her vulnerable medical state as her PEs resolve, protection against COVID-19 will be paramount. The clots identified for her and her son are suspect for an underlying genetic predisposition. The vaccine was not causal for the clot, but thankfully the thrombosis were identified in such a timely matter to allow for effective management. So if this is the case, should, should the SHA be testing people for underlying genetic conditions? And why did I receive a letter saying no further COVID vaccination, regardless of manufacturer, from my actual hematologist? This person does not know me as a patient. My hematologist said no more shots and some public health person arbitrarily decides that almost dying wasn't good enough to not get any more COVID shots. I was devastated. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I've been back to the hospital with multiple issues surrounding breathing, breathing, bleeding, and cardiac issues. On September 21st, I sent emails to the SHA, Minister of Health, my MP, my MLA, and the Premier asking for my exemption letter to be added to my health record so I could go out for dinner with my family or go to the movies or pretty much leave my house. The SHA said the QR code was a federal government program and the government didn't respond at all. When I didn't hear back, I tried messaging the SHA and the Saskatchewan government on Facebook. I told my story to Real Not Rare and posted it to both the SHA and the Saskatchewan government pages. They both blocked me. My government and the Provincial Health Authority blocked me because they couldn't give me an explanation. I have reported my AEFI to the Vaccine Injury Support Program, Pfizer, CARES, and to every legislator I can think of. By November 17th, I had seen a vascular surgeon, a cardiologist, a urologist, a gynecologist, a respirologist, and a psychologist. I am daily considering taking my own life. I spent from November 30th to mid-March in compression casts. I had to drive to home care twice a week to have new casts put on. 
Since March, I have been in 22-hour-a-day custom compression. I am on six medications I wasn't on 19 months ago. Those medications cost about $200 out of pocket a month. I am still tachycardic daily, out of breath, leg pain from the post-thrombotic syndrome, and tragically depressed. My clot is still the full length of my thigh and abdomen. I can't get a proper second opinion on surgical options without going to another country. I can't get my vaccine injury support worker, caseworker, to call me back. I lost my small cookie business as I cannot stand or work for long enough to do it. My self-dignity is at an all-time low. I have had so-called friends call me a liar. I have had people who haven't had the vaccine tell me what did I expect. I have been barred from almost every business imaginable. I've been ignored and gaslit by my government and our healthcare system. My life has been ruined by the COVID vaccine. I can't even get anyone to listen. Going forward, while I continue to be disabled for life, I would like to see my government fully acknowledge I have been injured by a vaccine they pressured me to take and I deserve compensation. I would like to know how they plan to get me adequate treatment. I would like an apology for being ignored by my immediate legislators and whatever admins run their offices and government Facebook page. And most importantly, I would like to have a group go back through every single AEFI that was reported to this province, especially the ones that MHO Jasmine Hasselback has handled. These people and their physicians need to be contacted. They deserve, and I deserve more as a person, and a Canadian. Yes, you do. My name is Lee. Oh. Heart-wrenching. It's uh, and 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 all avoidable. This one, along with so many others, uh, it's hard. And uh, Leanne. Just know that myself and everybody in this room are listening. And we will do whatever it is we can do um, to put focus on, on, on your story. Because your story is an example of so many other stories. And the hell that you're forced to live in because of this. I, I just, I, I just, I commend you, Lee Ann, for your courage in telling your story. We need 
more people like you that have the courage to tell their story to do what you just did. We need more people to do it because the masses aren't going to get it unless people like yourself tell your stories. They, they tell me their stories. gets to be a, a bit much when you see so many people throughout the province, throughout this country that are going through this and to see our doctors completely ignoring it, the surgeons and, and, and whatever, College of Physicians and Surgeons saying that these people hesitant at getting the vax, have a mental illness, are delusional, and need treatment psychologically, can go get fucked. The fact that our doctors, almost across the board, there are a few here and there, but our doctors are playing this game and ignoring patients, telling patients like Leanne that it's in her head the swelling the redness the the the, the 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 heat it's in her head you can go fuck yourself too all of you there will be accountability someday Mark my words. We're going to turn this around, but it's going to be up to us. We have to do this. Obviously, our elected leaders are not going to do anything that's necessary. They're not representing the people. They're not representing the people like Leanne. They're completely dismissing anybody like Leanne. We have been so thoroughly traumatized by all of this, not just all of the deaths and all of the injuries, but the discrimination that we have faced, the unvaxxed have faced. And now we're watching, now we're forced to watch all of these people that have been so fully propagandized and indoctrinated and hypnotized by the propaganda that they thought what they were doing was the right thing. I'm not going to hold it against these people. Especially not the ones that, that, you know, were angry at me for not getting vaxxed. And I know there's lots of those people too. And those people can go fuck themselves too. But 
we have to have compassion for people like Leanne and so many others that thought based on the propaganda, the 24 seven propaganda coming from the media, from our politicians, that they were doing the right thing. We have to have compassion because that's the only word they were ever exposed to. We have to understand that and we have to be compassionate to those people. I mean, it's why Carrie Simpson's running around doing her tour, uh, justice for the vaccinated. <laughs> we all need justice. We don't rest until there's justice. We can't. How can we? After what we've all been through this last three years, I'm I'm still I'm still going to court every week, fighting these stupid fines that Scott Moe, the vindictive piece of shit that he is, won't drop these cases, even though he knows they're wrong. And I'm sure his judges are all the lowest level. They're all bought off and in his pocket. You go to these kangaroo courts and they're just, they're ridiculous. They make me sick. Utterly sick. Because it's a joke. And I'm, I'm watching in other provinces where there's actually judges ruling in our favor. Because it's the right thing to do. Because there's actually a charter of rights and freedoms that they're supposed to uphold. There's actually a bill of rights that they're supposed to uphold. And there's some judges that are doing it. Not in Saskatchewan. Nope. Scott Moe is too vindictive, too spiteful, too much of a piece of shit to let these things go. And yes, I mean that, Scott Moe. From the bottom of my heart, you have no idea. And you just keep continually gaslighting everybody in the province, telling everybody that everything is just fine and rosy and the economy's great. Everyone's happy. You know how many people can't afford rent? They can't afford their mortgage. They can't afford to put food on the table because of inflation, because of cost of living. And when you're asked about the sustainable development agenda, which is the root cause to all of this shit, you have the audacity to say you don't know what it is? What are you, a moron? What's wrong with you? You're, no, what it is is you're a liar. Like all of the rest of them are liars. And I'm telling you, folks, until we grow a set and hold these people accountable, and I'm talking en masse, I can write an email every day for the next four months. But if, is, if there isn't 7,000 emails backing that up, it ain't going to mean anything. We have to do this. We have to tell them we're paying attention. It's just... And I apologize for kind of losing my, my shit there a little bit, but it gets to be a little bit much. I, I, I hear it all the time people's family members dying and, and being injured and, 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 uh, and they don't have a voice and they don't feel represented. So I want to, I want to throw out kudos cause I'm going to segue into provincial politics now. Uh, and I, I want to say thank you to Nadine Wilson, uh, 
Um, yes, she's part of this new party and been sort of tapped as the interim leader, I guess. Um, but she does have a seat in the legislature and she is bringing this issue to the table and she is raising awareness through that position that she has. And this is what I've said all along is we need people in the legislature. We need people in parliament that are have, that have the courage to do these things. So thank you, Nadine Wilson, for your courage. And I know that you <laughs> are hearing all of these horror stories all the time too. And I saw that you took some, some folks with you that have been injured by this and you're calling for a, an investigation and a commission and hopefully that'll happen. It'll only happen folks if we band together and force this to happen. And I'm talking directly to the people of Saskatchewan. We have to force this to happen. We have to force this accountability. Th these people have to be held accountable, and it's only us that can do it. I wish there was more videos like, like Leanne's that, that we could promote, and hopefully there will be, and hopefully this will inspire many others to tell their story publicly because it's so incredibly important. This is the real thing. This is what's happening to our people in this province and across the country. And we need people like Nadine Wilson, who has a seat to speak up with courage and conviction, to represent so many people that have been thoroughly unrepresented by the establishment, thoroughly and fully unrepresented. How many of us are, how many of us are there across the country in this province? How many are, there's a ton of us and there's a whole lot of people that haven't stuck their head above the foxhole because they're scared. They don't want to be demeaned. They don't want to be labeled. They don't want to be ridiculed by the masses, by the media, by the politicians. So, I have to do it. We have to do it. And I'm more than happy to do it. But we need more people to do this. We need more people to tell their story and go public and inspire others to do it. That's how this change is going to happen. So thank you, Nadine Wilson, for your courage and your conviction and doing the right thing at, at cost. I know there's consequences. Uh, political consequences, possibly. But I'm convinced now the people want the truth. The people want honesty. They want, they want to hear the truth. As shitty as it is, they, they need to hear the truth. And they've been lied to for so long, decades, by these establishment politicians. We have to replace all of them. We have to fire all of them. Because they're a complete joke. Nadine Wilson is an example of somebody who isn't a joke. Who will do the right thing regardless of consequence. And that's why I thank her. Even though she's on it with another party. It is what it is. I appreciate it. It's what's necessary. 
I can't wait for the day that I get an opportunity to represent the people that there's so many of us that have been unrepresented in, in politics, federally, provincially, municipally. The majority of us are unrepresented, let's face it. Yeah, absolutely. Proud to be part of the fringe. But we're not a fringe minority. We're starting to become a fringe, fringe majority. And we have to use that. So on to provincial discussion of provincial politics. There's no question in my mind that Scott Moe and the SAS party have completely lost touch with the people. Scott Moe runs around every day telling everyone how wonderful things are, and they're not. And everyone on the ground understands that they're not. Completely lost touch with the people. He needs to go. The SAS party needs to go. The NDP can go as well. We need we need people. We need the people representing the people. And in Saskatchewan, you have the Buffalo Party and you have Saskatchewan United Party. And I'm quite disappointed, to be, to be honest with you, that a deal couldn't have been made or brokered to put all of us under the same tent. I'm very, very disappointed. Um, you know, when True North another entity that hasn't been able to, to make their party official or registered um, because of numbers. It's not easy. Um, they reached out to me a long time ago um, to do a Let Freedom Reign tour throughout the province and to help them get their signatures. And I agreed. Uh, not necessarily because I thought it was the right thing to bring in another party, but I just love the people that were associated with that party. Um, Paul Dubois, Daryl Cooper, um, and so many others. Uh, Pastor Perry, RIP. Mercy on your soul. But there was just so many good people. Cody Rude. Uh, Lisa Baird, uh, so many good people in that party. It, it was, it was a no-brainer. Of course, that's what I was going to do, because that's what it takes to achieve unity, right? You may not agree with everything, but unity, especially in politics, is so incredibly important. It's just enormously important that we can. You know, maybe let go of a few things so that we can come together under the things that matter. And so I was very disappointed to see the Sask United Party um, come out of nowhere and become another political party in Saskatchewan. I reached out to that party as I reached out to true north i wanted to bring everyone together i wanted to have a meeting so we could hash out some of the differences and talk about what we agree on 
and what can unite us? What are the issues that unite us? And True North was 100% on board to meet. Buffalo Party was 100% on board to meet. Sask United gave me a hard no. And <laughs> to me, I don't know what I don't know what game is being played. I don't know. And I'm not going to theorize about any. But there's a reason why it wasn't able to happen. And it should have been very easy to say yes. Yes, let's come together. Yes, let's see if we can hash this out. Let's see if we can unite for the benefit of the people of Saskatchewan who are in desperate need of representation, who are in desperate need of unity and an alternative to the establishment. Can we not do that? Because I can tell you, if I can get these people into a, into a room and list the most important values that are under attack by the establishment, by the globalists, there would be a very long list of issues that we could unite around to give the people of Saskatchewan the best alternative and one alternative to the establishment. They chose not to do that. And it's, it's very disappointing. And it's ego. It's ego. A lot of it is ego. They think they have the best. They don't even have a platform. They, they don't even have policies. Their membership hasn't voted on anything. I would have liked to have had the discussion with them and go through the member-driven, the member-created policies of the Buffalo Party and ask them what they don't agree with. So now, as alternatives, we have two. We have the Buffalo Party, we have the Sask United Party. And my sense is, and I'm just going to be honest, because that's how I have to be, SUP is way too establishment-minded. They don't have courage. I've listened, I've gone to their events. Even though Nadine Wilson, who has courage to do the right thing, is the interim leader, maybe she can, you know, guide them in the direction they need to go. But the people behind the scenes at SUP, they're scared of the truth. They're scared of telling the whole truth. And to me, that's just more establishment. I can't support that, which is why I, I went to the Buffalo party. Um, they're too scared of optics. They're too, they're too politically correct, too smooth um, for my liking. And that's why I decided to go in the direction of the Buffalo. And, uh, So that's where we're at. We'll see where the cookie crumbles. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very loud and probably critical of SUP as much as I like Nadine Wilson. 
because I do. I like her. I think she's uh, she's got some courage. She's showing herself to have that. So I respect her. But I have too many issues with that with that party. But I would still love to have the opportunity to get into a room together to see what we can put together, to see what we could come out with. And uh, and and I think we could we could come up with something to give the people of Saskatchewan the best opportunity to oust the establishment Sask party, defeat the Sask party, defeat the NDP, and actually take over government and represent the majority of the people of Saskatchewan and give them the alternative that they deserve. And a lot of folks in the province don't even understand why we need this change, why that change is necessary. I get it. That's up to us to get out there and spread the word, spread the information. So more people do understand. And, uh, and that's, that's our responsibility. And I'm, I'm planning a tour with, with uh, the leader of the Buffalo party, Phil Zajac, uh, sometime in January. Um, and to get the ball rolling and to get out there. Cause it's, it, we're in such a critical point in our nation's history and in our province's history. And, you know, I'm seeing some good things from Danielle Smith. I'm still skeptical. I'm not a hundred percent sold, uh, but I like some of the things she's doing. I like some of the things she's saying. I think she's probably, I'm still skeptical because it's still the UCP. It's still an establishment party. There's still a lot of the people involved that were bitten involved for the last three years in that province, doing some terrible things to the people of Alberta. And they're still associated with that party. So I'm skeptical. And uh, the other thing that, that Danielle Smith doesn't talk about is the sustainable development agenda, agenda 2030. And I know she knows all about it because she's talked about it on her radio show prior years. I've listened to her talk about the agenda and what it means and what the consequences are. All of a sudden, since she's become premier, she hasn't said a word. And do you know why she hasn't said a word? She hasn't said a word because these provincial parties, the UCP, the SAS party, whatever the Manitoba conservatives are, they're all attached at the hip with the CPC. Danielle Smith can't talk about sustainable development agenda, agenda 2030. Scott Moe can't talk about the sustainable development agenda, the SDGs, agenda 2030. None of them can on the conservative side of things, quote unquote, because the federal conservative party is the ones responsible for this agenda. They're the ones who committed us to this, 92 and 2015. So now you have Danielle Smith, you have Scott Moe, you have whoever it is in Manitoba, I can't remember her name, uh, Doug Ford, carrying the water for the CPC. And this is why their establishment. This is why they won't 
say shit if their mouth was full of it. This is why Scott Moe lies to the people all the time. By claiming he doesn't know what the sustainable development agenda is. Even though all their commercials mention sustainability, this, sustainability, that. It's an absolute farce. Of course, he knows what it is. But he can't talk about it because if he does, he puts the target on the CPC. They all know this. It's damn time that everybody else knows this. And we get these fools out of here. Because I'm telling you, nothing's going to get any better. Scott Moe's running around telling everyone how wonderful and rosy everything is in Saskatchewan. As food prices are going to continue to skyrocket. Mortgage rates are going to continue to skyrocket. As, as the value of the homes are decreasing. Interest rates are going up. All of this is related to that agenda. All of it. All of it. This is all part of that agenda, the Great Reset. All of it. The war in the Ukraine. All of it. All of the consequences to the war in Ukraine are by design. Everything's happening for the reason it's happening. <sighs> Diesel through the roof. Fuel prices through the roof. I mean, do you want heat or do you want food? We live in Canada. Should we have to make that decision? Should there be single parents with three kids having to make that decision? Then you have the dingbat Freeland saying, oh, just cancel your Disney channel. You'll be fine. Like, what a complete moron. These are the people that are, are making these decisions. They're destroying us. Right. Criminals won't even acknowledge that it exists. It's still a conspiracy theory. No, I don't know anything about it. I haven't read it. I don't comment on anything I haven't read. Oh, so why is it that you have voted on it at least four times, Mr. Bolivar? At least four times, if not more. What are you doing voting on it? What are you doing voting yes on it when you don't even know what it is you claim? You're lying through your teeth because you have to, because you know that your party, the party that you lead, is responsible for signing us up to this. Everything we're going through, COVID-related, VAX-related, digital ID, digital currency, the destruction of our farms, the destruction of our energy industry, the destruction of everything, our way of life, can be attributed right back to that agenda, all of it, everything. And it's high time that people get it and relate it to what it is. And, and it's coming. More and more people are getting it. More and more people are asking the questions of their elected officials. And that's great to see. I love to see it. But it needs to happen more often. And uh, like I said, what I would love to see is that these MLAs in Saskatchewan or even federal MPs, if we're emailing them en masse, demanding that they hold a town hall event 
to answer some very important questions. And when that town hall exists, you ask them if they support or they are in favor of the UN Agenda 2030. And when they say they don't know what it is, call bullshit on them. Hold their feet to the fire. Hold them accountable publicly. Film it. And then post it. Expose these people for who they are and what they are. That's our job. We have to do that. It's not comfortable. It's not fun. Well, I think it's fun. But other people might not think it's fun. But that's what needs to happen. I can email Kevin Waugh, the conservative MP in my writing, uh, every day, all day. It's not going to matter if I'm the only one doing it. It has to be on mass. So bring people together that you know in your writings. Tell everybody. You know, get it out there. Demand that they are responsible to you, the constituent, that they come and hold a town hall meeting and explain themselves, explain what's happening and why it's happening. Get them to answer. <coughs> get them to answer the sustainable development agenda question. Force them to answer. That's our job. We have to do that. That's our responsibility. So, uh, more are coming, Mark. It's a slow roll. Yes, it is. It is. And I've said that for a long time. You know, more, there has to be more pain. The pain's coming. It's right around the corner. There's going to be a, a ton of pain. Uh, and it's all by design, whatever. It's But it's all necessary. It has to happen in order for more people to stick their head above the foxhole to find out what's going on. Um. So it is what it is. We got to deal with it. I, I would have preferred to have avoided all of this, but not enough people were prepared to listen and, and understand um, two, three, four, five, ten 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, but they're going to be forced to pay attention soon because it's going to get, it's going to get a lot worse. Uh, so it is what it is. Um, yeah, that was, uh, Leanne Dale. That was very emotional. Um, she brought out a lot out of me just by her testimony. So please share this out. I'm not going to, I'm going to cut this short. Uh, I want to keep it under an hour. Um, just so, you know, people can share it and they won't be, people won't see it as, oh my God, it's like two hours. Um, because I want people to pay attention. I want people to see that. Uh, it's incredibly important. And uh, the more people that see it, maybe the more people will be inspired to tell their story. And if you want to tell your story, and if you want to make a video and you don't want to post it on your own Facebook, you can contact me. We'll take care of it. Um, I'll, I'll help you do whatever it is you want to do. Um, because there's a whole lot of people just like Leanne. Uh, across this province and around the country. So if there's anybody out there that wants to tell their story like Leanne just did, and it takes a lot of courage, and I kudos to her for telling it, um, I'd be more than happy to help facilitate that because um, it's important and people need to know what's happening. And uh, so that's that.
So I didn't get a chance to scroll through my Facebook to talk about all the other things I want to talk about. So I'm going to have to do that again, maybe uh, tomorrow night, maybe Thursday night. We'll see how it goes. But I'm scheduled Friday night with Salim. Uh, so stay tuned for that one. Uh, maybe I'll just go live again tomorrow night and talk about all the other things I want to talk about. But tonight I had to talk about those three things because um, they're all super important. So, anyway, that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging out. Sorry for, uh, you know, being a little overcome there, but it does tend to to build. And uh, there's, there's just so many stories like this that I'm showing and, and exposed to. Um, it, gets, it gets a little old. And... Uh, her story just sort of brought it all up. So it is what it is. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right. So that's going to be a wrap. Thanks for hanging out. Love each and every one of you. And uh, probably see you tomorrow night. You guys, be cool. Ciao for now. And remember, <laughs> globalism bad nationalism good all right ciao for now